Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. Hey! We're going to have energy, energy, Woo! energy. We're both back from our vacations now. We're I'm, rested. I'm sorry I didn't get to Rutland, Vermont. It was about a half hour out of my way, so I couldn't take a picture. I'm so disappointed in maybe, you. Uh, maybe we'll try and get down there for Halloween. Oh, up, hey, up there. Wait, where are we? Hey, I have a question for you. <laughs> oh, here we go. That just started. If you could visit one place from the Marvel Universe, where would you want to go? You know what? I actually drove through on my way home on my vacation even though I didn't stop at a town sign, was Stamford, Connecticut. The st- oh, <laughs> where the New Warriors blew up people yeah. right before Civil War. Yeah, started that whole Civil War Superhero Registration Act thing. Not that it was the New Warriors' fault, it was Nitro's fault. Um, I don't want to think anyone to think I'm taking the... Well, they egged them on, didn't they? Well, they said they did, but if you actually read the issue, it doesn't seem like they did. So where'd you want to visit? I mean, if I could take like a safe tour of it, it would kind of be fun to go to the Savage Land. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. It's like Jurassic Park, but without the without the safety requirements that Jurassic Park has, which prevents anyone from ever getting hurt there. Yeah, yeah, sure. So basically, the Savage Land is like Jurassic Park. It is Jurassic Park, yeah. That would be fun. Or, uh, do, 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 do. Where else could we go? Do, 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 do. Is that the Gilligan's Island theme? No, it's the Jurassic Park thing. I, I would bring my... I would bring Don't my, they do the... Yeah. But when you first see the dinosaurs, you do the... Do, 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 You realize we sound like idiots, right? So this podcast is... No, no, it's not do, do, do. It's... This podcast fits in with all the other ones we've done. Where would you go? Well, part of me would say, like, Dr. Stranger's Sanctum Sanctorum. I really would like a tour. Oh, he could take you to crazy places. Right? Uh, part of me would like to go to um, to uh, Wakanda because I don't understand that country at all. How it how it's technologically advanced, but they still wear, like... Tribal outfits. The tribal outfits. Mm. Seems really weird to me. We have spaceships, but no pants. It's almost like what a middle-aged white man thought an African country would be like <laughs> no. back in the 60s. <laughs> I, know, I just like to say that, you know, they have priorities. That's a good way to look at it. We don't be, need pants. It's hot here. Let's, you know, invent important things. It might be interesting to visit Atlantis as long as they don't have to hang out with Namor. Well, he's never there. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> I was thinking maybe we'd go to uh, Genosha. Well, we're not mutants, so we'd be a little bit okay. But There'd probably be some fun stuff going on, like some like, street music uh, magicians and little like, tricks, people flying around. Genosha often seems to be the site of much violence, like, you know, destroying the city, country violence. <laughs> like leveling type. the whole island. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not sure I want to be in Genosha. Huh. It would be nice, of course, to tour Avengers Mansion as well. Yeah. Or, or the Baxter Building. The Baxter Building, yeah. That would be, probably be more interesting. Avengers Mansion, you get to meet Jarvis in the silver and look at the portraits on the wall. But the Fantastic Four, you get to see whatever new Framistat. Uh, Reed Richards' is building Framistat Whatever thing Bob He's got cooking Which could be really interesting Or not I'm Trying to think if there's anything Out on the west coast Well when the west coast Adventures compound Was out there The what? I know Who's, I know What's that? Yeah Yeah there's nothing else Out there huh? Not really. No one yeah, sets their no one sets their 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 stories on the West Coast for whatever reason, or really in the. I wouldn't mind visiting the Great Lakes Avengers uh, headquarters. I think that would be a lot of fun. Isn't that just like the back room at a bar? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, previously on the Avenging Hour, our heroes headed to Project Pegasus to herd the Lava Men home, and ended up facing off with Moonstone, Blackout, Electro, and for some reason the Rhino. Spider Man tried to join the team, but was rejected. And now, episode one oh seven. We're doing two issues today. This is our want as of late. Uh, (laughs) I think until September, if I looked at your uh, plan correctly. Yeah, well, you know, we like these issues. Well, I like these issues. Jason still doesn't like them because Jason doesn't like anything. But it's okay. We love you anyway. Uh, We are going to... You know what? We're just going to dive right in. How's that sound? Oh, yeah. There can't possibly be a setup for this issue. Not so much, no. (laughs) The first issue we're doing is Avengers number 238, 
which is from December of 1983. Uh, it is by Roger Stern and Al Milgram, and it's a little refreshing that we've basically had this team now for quite a while. And it is called Unlimited Vision. I think that's what my Comcast plan is right now. <laughs> Star Fox is on Vision Watch, looking like he's about to cry. Look, Star Fox, I get it. I'm tired of this subplot, too. Star Fox is bored. Bored, bored, bored. Looking for something to do, he decides to soliloquize, talking at great length about his boredom. Great. Now I'm bored. Then, suddenly, the vision speaks. What? We'll check back with them later. Now we're heading south to the New Orleans area, where Captain Marvel is test-driving a boat. Welp, that's about as much as we have going on in that subplot for the moment. Let's go back to Star Fox and our newly chatty android. Star Fox has hooked a voice amplifier up to the Vision's glass tube so he can hear the synthesoid better. It seems the Vision has been conscious for days now, listening to everything that's been said in the room, but only now has he regained his ability to speak, and he still can't move for some reason. The Vision wishes he had more data on his condition, and that gives Star Fox an idea. Star Fox contacts Jarvis, who has apparently been stuck with monitor duty, and Jarvis helps the Eternal connect the mansion's computers with Isaac, the supercomputer that runs Star Fox's home moon of Titan. Well, that's certainly exciting, but what about the other members of the team? She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, and the Wasp are off apartment hunting for the Great Green Giantess. They find an apartment that the She-Hulk likes, but the rental agent isn't willing to rent to a seven-foot-tall green woman, so after Wanda hexes a sprinkler open on him, the ladies leave. Wow, Jason, do you think I should take a moment here to stop and let everyone catch their breath from all the excitement? I mean, just relax for a second, guys. Sit back in your seat. Get off just the edge. Okay, on we go. Checking back in with Captain Marvel, she's arrived at the mansion to find a scene from Disney's Sword in the Stone with machine parts gaily skipping through the air on their way to Vision's glass tube room. Following the row of mechanical apparatus and presumably a jaunty tune, CM enters the room to find the parts forming some giant machine around the Vision's glass tube. Star Fox explains that Isaac is using the galaxy's most powerful tractor beam to assemble some gizmodoo that will allow them to more accurately diagnose the Vision's problem. CM thinks they should wait a moment before proceeding, but the Vision is ready to start now. The machine is activated, and soon a holographic Vision head is floating above the actual tube-bound Vision. At about this time, the ladies are returning from their apartment shopping, but before they can enter the mansion, the Vision's giant head greets them. Upon entering the mansion, the Vision explains that the machine connected him with Isaac and the mansion's computer system. So even though he still can't move, he's now integrated into some of the most powerful computer systems in the galaxy. Plus, he does have that cool hologram thing going on. He's feeling very sure of himself, and what's this? Blackout and Moonstone escaped from Project Pegasus during the Avengers' most recent adventure? It's time they were tracked down. Speaking of our two ne'er-do-wells, Moonstone wants to know more about Blackout, so while relaxing in one of Egghead's old hideouts, she drugs him with something to make him talk and gets him to flashback his history for her. Understanding a little more about her subject, Moonstone is convinced that she can manipulate him. She's ready to start with the planning when the Vision hologram shows up. He's quickly followed by the rest of the team, and Moonstone decides it's time to get the heck out of there. The Avengers soon corner the two crooks, though, and when Moonstone tries to get Blackout to send the Avengers to the Dark Force dimension, the dragged-up paranoid accidentally sends the baddies to the other dimension instead. Welp, I guess that ends the threat of those two, but suddenly the Vision starts to blink out. Everyone heads back to the mansion where they find out that the Vision had simply overextended himself a little. He declares that this will never happen again as soon as, as soon he'll be able to do anything. Anything! Before he can start wahahaing, the phone rings. It's Tigra, who's in San Francisco, and she's being haunted by Spider-Woman's ghost. To be continued, but not in this episode. You know what's really sad? What? Is that that last bit doesn't sound any more interesting than the issue you just read. Yeah. 
Wait, what? You don't think it's exciting that Tiger's being haunted by a ghost? So, oh, I'm supposed to continue on with here and hey, tell you. you do the roll call. The roll call is Star Fox, Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, Wasp, and Scarlet Witch. Uh, we also see the Vision and Jarvis, and our villains are Blackout and Moonstone. I was reading through this issue, and I was trying to figure out what notes that I could take. And something just irritated me about this opening scene with um, Star Fox. Yeah. Talking on and on. I, I, it took me a while, and I finally realized what was bugging me. Why does Star Fox have gloves on? Part of his costume? Why? I don't know why. It just really irritated me that he had white gloves on. I've never realized that white gloves are part of his costume, but they I sure didn't are. Either. I'm wondering if they just got colored wrong. Well, they're that. It really. Well, they don't look like gloves. Because look at the creases in them. Yeah. They has, look like fingers. Like they're supposed to be his hands. Well, now I'm curious. Has he always had white gloves? Sorry. This is exciting audio. <laughs> right? You should vamp a little bit, Jason, while we look at Star No, no, it's fine. I can cut all this out. I think that, yeah, he's got white gloves on the cover of 236. Where do we first see him? Clicking in right there. there Click. Yeah? He's got white gloves. He either has white gloves or really, really, really pale hands. Or there's something wrong with his circulation. Yeah. I had never noticed it before. It right. just irritated me. But it is weird because even if... I mean, it's weird enough the idea that you're going to wander around the mansion in your costume. But then if you do have a costume, you know, probably you could take the gloves off when what? you're just sitting around. You know, some people like Rogue has to wear gloves because of her powers. Star Fox's powers don't involve him touching things. Well, they kind of do, but in a more, you know, roundabout way. Not necessarily with his hands. <laughs> oh. We do. Star Fox, during his soliloquy, mentions that Thor is not around because he's off in space. And we discussed that last episode, that he's in space with Sif and Keith Kincaid doing outer spacey god stuff. And he mentions that Cap is on a personal mission. Uh, that personal personal mission is him traveling through time with Deathlock right now. Well, that's exciting. More exciting than Keith Kincaid. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you had to pick a partner to hang out with. We don't really know, so... I can only assume that Captain Marvel's side gig, the one that she got bank approval for, is to go hunting for Jaws. <laughs> because she told the guy that she'd need a bigger boat. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, it's not, but... What is she doing? Do you know what she's... Oh, yeah, she's starting a... Che- well, supposedly she's going to start a charter service. Charter boats people for people. The... Yeah, because if you remember, her, her history is that she is a was a harbor patrol person in right. New Orleans. So sure. she, she was used to driving boats around. So now she's going to drive boats around for pay. Does she think that people don't do that in New York already? Like she's going to be the first one? She's in New Orleans. Is she? She's going to stay in New Orleans. Yeah, because, I mean, she can commute. Oh, yeah, that's true. In a second or two, right? Yeah, so she doesn't... She can. That's kind of the best thing about her power. She can live wherever she wants to. The What I will say is that this never really goes anywhere. It's funny how... Roger Stern has tried to, you know, he put he put Thor in a in an apartment in Chicago. Oh, I'm Don Blake in an apartment in Chicago, and he's trying to set her up with her own little life and trying to get She-Hulk into an apartment. And well, to be fair, Thor's writer probably did that. Whoever was writing Thor at this point in maybe time, maybe it was Roger Stern. I don't think maybe he had a run on Thor. Doing Spider Man was he? Yeah, I th- I'm not sure who it was at this point in time. I'm not that well versed in Thor. Was he doing Captain America at this time too? No, his Captain America run was before this. Is he doing Spider-Man and I think Doctor Jan- Strange? I'm pretty sure Jam DeMatteis was doing Captain America this time. Okay. But it's just I, interesting. He keeps trying to give the characters their own little... But n- like none of it ever happens and none of us care. Yeah, the problem with this book is... I mean, you want to give the characters their own lives. I mean, that's what makes the Avengers theoretically different from like the JLA. But then you end up with issues like this where you showcase each character's own life and they're boring. <clears throat> and that is the problem is that he's trying to make these people more interesting. It's hard to do in a team book and give it enough space. Yeah, you can focus on one or two for a time. Yeah. But this 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 cutaway to Captain Marvel is completely pointless. It's and it's very strange. It just 
just like her 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 sit down with the bank manager last issue right was just like so weird thanks i guess something's yeah. going on here yeah this was too i don't it's it's a shame and i love monica rambeau she's one of my favorite marvel characters but this this subplot's just not doing her any favors I wanted to point out on page, unless you have something here to talk about with Star Fox. And- uh, well, a little bit. Um, Star Fox tells us what Isaac, Isaac is the supercomputer, as we said, the rules Titan. That is not a name. It's an acronym. And it stands for, wait, where is it? Do you need to put on your old man oh, glasses? Oh, no, it's on page. It's I'm on the wrong page. Did you have something? No. My, my thing is back a page. You missed what I wanted to do. Oh, go ahead. Then we'll do you first. We're going to do you first. <laughs> on page six, I wanted to point out that the uh, the guy that's pointing at She-Hulk and saying she looks green... He's wearing a mesh shirt, a giant gold hoop earring, and a dog collar. And he's pointing at the person that looks green. Yeah. Who's dressed not bad. And, actually, and the guy beside him, who appears to be walking with a young Swiss orphan, is either a <laughs> <laughs> is either a pimp or a cowboy. I don't know. Maybe he's both. I'm not sure why they're pointing her out. <laughs> hey there, cowboy pimp. What the heck is going on in that scene? My gosh, now I want a new comic book out. Featuring Cowboy Pimp. Cowboy Pimp and his Swiss orphan. <laughs> Swiss orphan, yes. That's amazing. I like that She-Hulk called Wanda an old married lady when she scoffed at them, you know, talking about Star Fox. Yeah, the She-Hulk. how dreamy is. Yeah, She-Hulk and the Wasp, but like, ooh, Star Fox. Which, you know, as I, I think we've mentioned this before, but as a man who can appreciate the attractiveness of another man, Star Fox is not all that. He's got a really weird hairdo. Yeah, he does. He does. Maybe, you know, maybe you need to interact with him to really get the full force of his charisma you have to feel those gloves on you but i haven't <laughs> i haven't really felt it yet i i had a problem with the scene where they're going into the apartment and the uh, the apartment manager whatever they're called property manager person is offended that she hulk is green and i wonder why she wouldn't revert to her jennifer walters form to go apartment hunting yeah this whole scene is a little odd because are they trying to make a point about racism because that's hard to do when you're really talking about a seven and a half foot tall giant green woman yeah i mean it doesn't have the same impact no because i mean is it racist does he hate all green people because how many of those has he really come across (laughs) or she just doesn't want to be bothered to have something weird in one of his apartments yeah i mean you know is it is it is it that her skin color is different or is it just that she's obviously not a normal human I would think real estate people in New York are probably wary of having superheroes rent their places because they think they're going to get attacked and blown up. That's what I was thinking. I wouldn't want to rent to a superhero if I lived in New York. So why wouldn't you all just show up in your civilian identities and, you know, go about your business? Yeah. No, I'm with you 100%. It didn't. It, the scene, I, I think they're trying to make a point about the scene, but it didn't come across. Oh, it came across. Well. <laughs> it just seems stupid. And then we go right back to Monica Rambeau. Well, we get a whole page of her changing to Captain Marvel and flying to Avengers Mansion. Yep. Which seems unnecessary. So here we go. Isaac. Isaac stands for Integral Synaptic Anti-Anionic Computer. That doesn't make any sense. No, it is gobbledygook. It is scientific nonsense. And I recognize that what else is new? But really, guys, why do you even need to make it an acronym? Or say it's an acronym uh, in the ancient eternal language. <laughs> right. But to try, I mean, anti-anionic. Uh, that doesn't I looked that anything. up. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Especially not as it relates to computers. It has to do with the flow of ions and such. It should be like important science analysis and computer. <laughs> and computer. Yeah, no, it's pointless. I, I was trying to think of something better, and I'm not really... There's nothing better. Well, anything's better, really. Well, yeah. Information, source, and also computing. Interstellar. 
sending and all computations. But I think we've got a couple of good words in there with interstellar (laughs) and computations. See, what's this anti-aonic? I think, yeah, seriously, if we did actually workshop this for about 10 minutes, I think we'd come up with something that's actually relatively good. I have no more notes on this issue. Oh, let me see. I have one more. Uh, Moonstone and Blackout are like a villainous version of Cloak and Dagger. Oh my gosh. They really kind of it's are, aren't they? a little bit they? of like light and dark. And- wow. I never noticed that before, but you're right. Yeah, that's a, it's actually a very apt comparison. And once again, the Avengers let the villains defeat themselves. Yeah. I recognize that Moonstone... Well, I would say I recognize that Moonstone and Blackout really are a threat to the Avengers, but this is a team of four Avengers, five Avengers, one of whom is the Wasp. One of them Star Fox. Uh, so I'm not so sure that they wouldn't be able to hold their own at least a little bit. Does it look like they're jumping through that hole in the floor in that last panel, or they're falling? Oh, it looks like they're falling, <laughs> without a doubt. There's Mo- some weird angles going on there. Moonstone blasts a hole in the floor, and it looks for all the world like they're like, Woo! Didn't see that <laughs> happening. Uh, so, bullpen bulletins? Uh, have we mentioned Assistant Editor's Month yet? Uh, uh, oi. We have. That's it. That's the whole thing. The uh, question of the month in the letters page is, what tools do you use when applying your trade? It is pretty much un- uninteresting to all of us that aren't pencilers and letterers and inkers. and Yeah, really uninteresting, even if I was an artist. So you use a pencil, is what you're saying. Well, the colorist, Christy Scheel, our favorite person, uh, the tool she uses is her brain. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I just bash my head on the desk until color comes out. Should we run down what we're using here? Microphones, headphones, uh, there's a mixing board. It's all connected to your computer and we run Audacity on it. I what do you what do you use to write when you write? You mentioned uh, an episode or two ago that you that you like to write. I uh I write everything by hand in, in notebooks, usually with a uh, a Sharpie. A Sharpie? Yeah, not a Sharpie marker though, a Sharpie pen. What kind of what kind because of Because I'm left handed and uh when I write longhand it smears if I use like a pencil or something or a ballpoint pen, so the Sharpie pen dries quick enough that it doesn't smear and then i type it all in my computer it's like my way of doing a second draft is while i type it up i listen to it you know and kind of figure out what doesn't sound right and i change words and rephrase things that's about it and i use my brain for my uh for my trade i use a uh water-based lube not oil no i'm sorry (laughs) moving on i've got these zip ties (laughs) (laughs) i have nothing else in a letters page either oh i do uh bill mcgrogan of new city new york is one of those people who corrects your grammar when you're screaming for help uh, he nitpicks every bit of false science in issue 233, and I have to say, who cares? Yeah, why don't pick that issue to nitpick the science? However, he does point out that Don Blake reached for Thor's hammer instead of the walking stick that it would revert to after 60 seconds of being away, and that's kind of a big oops. They made a stupid excuse for it, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is the issue where they're trying to get through analysis field, and Thor throws his hammer through the field. And it goes into the field. And it goes into the field, and he can't get it. He turns back to Don Blake, but the hammer doesn't turn back to a walking stick. Right, and they make some excuse that because it was inside that field that it had some weird energy. It's they, well, they all they do it. They, all they say is uh, it turns back into a walking stick under normal circumstances, and the null field wasn't normal circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and apparently it's surprising to me to know that the science that they spew out about how they take down the null field bubble is apparently not accurate. I know, I was shocked. I, I was too. Wait, I you mean, mean Captain Marvel can't actually do all those things? I would. I I had thought that they had probably talked to. Scientists who'd actually produced null field bubbles. Well, didn't before they, they didn't they consult some uh, French specialist uh, an episode or two ago to, so they could speak French? Uh, Wanda and Captain Marvel spoke French to each other, and they did they say they consulted could, like the language dean at Cornell or something like that? Oh my God, would it really be that difficult? Just go to your local high school's French class, right? It's not like it's not like the two of them were having a really in depth conversation. That you know, we really should have translated that just to see if what it said actually made sense. 
out of Google Translate? I'm sure it wouldn't have. Yeah, that's good. That would have been it. Oh, well. Would you want to go back and re-record that episode? (laughs) No. No, I don't. All right. MVP? I gave it to Vision, even though he was kind of a jerk. No, I did too. He's very quickly this issue. He is now all of a sudden, after laying around doing nothing, he is now the central character of the book. And he has a really weird personality. Yes, he does. Uh, Useless character? Wasp. I I think you could give it to anybody. I picked She-Hulk, but I think it was kind of throwing darts at a dartboard. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a best quote taken out of context? I want to turn Mr. Pink black and blue. <laughs> oh, ew. Mm. I have, I think you'll agree that this little number outperforms everything in her class. Mm. All right. Avengers level threat? No. Yeah. Uh, final grade? I-, I honestly don't know. I'm just go with a C. It's nothing here. I'm going to only, only to keep my... Um, my record straight. I'm going to give it a C plus. But it's really, and I don't think I've given a Roger Stern issue that low a grade so far. Maybe if I did, it was the Dr. Pym flashback issue. I, but honestly, you know, I appreciate what he's doing here, but it's really not a very interesting issue. I feel like it's all supposed to be set up, but it's a lot of setup that I don't care about. And it's just, it takes so long to get through it. I feel like we've had issues of setup back when David Michelini was writing the book. Remember those issues before the Taskmaster two-parter and the issue before the Ray Ronan two-parter? He did he did two setup issues, and at least the one before the Taskmaster two-parter was good. It was solid. He mentioned to do setup for an entire issue and keep it interesting, and this issue just doesn't quite make it. Maybe it's because we have El Mil Milgram art and not George Perez art. I don't know. No, Al Milgram's good. Oh, I, I don't dislike Al Milgram. He's solid. We're but. just so distracted by George Perez art. Then. Oh, this is good. I like this. I mean, the last little thing with Tigra and the Spider-Woman ghost is much more interesting than the entire issue. And you're like, wait a minute. You're going to end with that? Why didn't yeah. you just show me that to begin with? All right. Well, then, I is guess. phone in Wasp's hand, like ridiculously large it is a little big <laughs> but it was 1983 everything was big it had they it has to be in scale with her shoulder pads oh moving on moving on issue 239 from january of 1984 this is like my favorite year of comics 1984 oh well then this must be one of your favorite comics from that year oh, sure yeah roger stern and al milgram do this story i guess called late night of the superstars hey it's assistant editors month and As we can tell from the cover, the Avengers are going to be appearing on Late Night with David Letterman. But before we get to that, our splash page has big news. Hawkeye is back. And he's partially deaf. And he's married to Mockingbird. Vision's big floating head greets them at the door, all bright and chipper in a very non-Vision way, and explains why he is the way he is. Hawkeye then explains his hearing loss and his wife, and that's that. A phone call from Wonder Man interrupts the mutual love fest. Seems his agent has booked an appearance on Letterman and promised an entire Avengers team. Vision uses his global connections to call Black Panther, Beast, and Black Widow, who all agree to join Hawkeye and Wonder Man on the show. Somehow better than the actual lineup that we had, I think. I actually really like that team. I'd love to see adventures with this team. (laughs) Meanwhile, elsewhere in the city, that fearsome baddie Fabian Stankiewicz is arguing with his father when he hears a TV commercial announcing the Avengers' appearance. And now we know the awesome power our team will face in this goofy issue. Later, at the NBC studios, as the team plays meet-and-greet in the green room, Stankiewicz sets up his killing machines throughout the building. Mockingbird arrives with a list of the questions Letterman is going to ask, so Hawkeye can prepare his answers in advance and successfully hide his deafness. This, of course, fails miserably and makes Hawkeye look like an idiot. But what else is new? Dave launches into an abbreviated monologue, the team takes their seats on stage, and Beast immediately blurts out that he's leaving the Avengers to head up the Defenders. This is the catalyst for Hawkeye to start saying stupid things, only to be saved by Fabian Stankiewicz launching his attack. There's some sort of giant steamroller that launches heat-seeking missiles, a camera that shoots lasers, and, well, that's about it, really. 
For some reason, these two devices keep the entire team at bay long enough for Stankiewicz to take a seat next to Letterman and begin his own interview, discussing how great a villain he expects to be. Black Widow finally notices him on stage, but when the Avengers turn their attacks to him, he deflects them with a force field, explaining to Letterman that the field will protect them from outside forces. Our humorous host asks if they're free to move within the force field. When Fabian confirms they are, Dave hits him with a prop and steals the field's power pack, forcing Fabian to flee. He's stopped at the door by Mockingbird, who flings him over to some waiting police officers, and all is well in the world. The end. That's it. We can just go on to the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. No, no, no. We have to discuss this. It's uh, good stuff. Our roll call is Hawkeye Vision, Wonder Man, Black Panther, Beast, and Black Widow. I guess as our impromptu team. Uh, Jarvis serves tea. David Letterman and Paul Schaefer play host to the antics. Our villain is Fabian Stankiewicz, and we get the first appearance of Mockingbird. Hey, who's that? Hey, let me tell you. Mockingbird, also known as Barbara or Bobby Morse, originally appeared in Astonishing Tales number 6 in June 1971, though she wasn't named until issue 12 and was then known as Dr. Barbara Morse. She was originally a Kazar-supporting character and love interest who was pushed aside when Shanna the She-Devil was introduced. There was a brief moment where she was a research scientist in the Everglades, somehow involving Man-Thing and AIM. This leads to the reveal that she has some involvement with S.H.I.E.L.D. After her run in Astonishing Tales, she's next seen in Marvel Super Action number 1 in January 1976 as a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who has taken the identity of Huntress in order to root out some corruption at S.H.I.E.L.D. Unfortunately, her magazine is canceled before she can finish her mission, and before she makes her next appearance, DC Comics publishes a story (laughs) with a character named Huntress. So, in July 1980, Mockingbird makes her first appearance in Marvel Team-Up number 95, again attempting to uncover corruption at S.H.I.E.L.D. She teams up with Spider-Man and Nick Fury to fulfill her mission, and we won't see her again until the 1983 Hawkeye miniseries that concluded right before this issue. Yeah. Mockingbird, it can be difficult to to parse her history because it was obvious in the early years that they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, she was really a background character at first. Yeah. Her history comes down to she was a biologist. She was from San Diego, got a degree as a biologist, and she was recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know why S.H.I.E.L.D. was recruiting biologists. Right. And they sent her to the Savage Land, and that's how she got teamed up with Kazar. Um, I think some of that is um, retrofitted into oh, her for origin sure. there. For sure, because again, her early issues, it was obvious they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, I think someone had started to use her in Astonishing Tales and had more plans for her, but then they left the book, and she kind of languished for a while, and then someone was looking for a character, and they pulled her out of nowhere. And-, and, and when she works for S.H.I.E.L.D. and when she doesn't work for S.H.I.E.L.D. is a little bit nebulous. It seems like she kind of quit for a while, and then she was the Huntress, and then she kind of went back and then she quit again when she became Mockingbird, but we don't really know when. I don't think they really ever show it. We just kind of assume that she's no longer working for S.H.I.E.L.D. So, um, and you mentioned about the Hawkeye miniseries. When we see her again, we should probably talk about that a little bit because the events of that are important to this series, not just because it resulted in in Hawkeye's marriage, well, and and Mockingbird's marriage. And Hawkeye's deafness. But because it resulted in his deafness. Don't they cover it? Can we cover it next week in our next episode? No. They do a recap, or did they do it in this issue? They do it in this issue because next they're not in the next the next episode. Oh, that's right. That's right. We actually go to the real team. So basically, would you? I don't know if you. I, I can do it. I just don't want to step on your. If you, well, I I just know the basics of it that they were going against Crossfire, right? Yeah. So Cross Technological Enterprises was doing some bad things, and so Hawkeye and Mockingbird found out that it was because of a villain named Crossfire, who was Cross's cousin, nephew. Some relation. Some relation there. And uh, basically during the big fight, during the big end fight at the end of his series, Hawkeye and Mockingbird had become closer and closer throughout the series as they both investigated you know, this from different angles. And at the end of the series, they were captured by Crossfire. He was using some sort of weapon that was supposed to... It used audio to 
make people go crazy. Yes. And in order for Hawkeye to defend them against it, he took one of his supersonic arrows and held it in his mouth. And it, yes. And it, I guess, absorbed this audio stuff and went crazy and it caused him to go deaf in one ear. Yes, exactly. That's Which exactly doesn't make it. any sense if he was holding it in his mouth why he went deaf in one ear. <laughs> so after they get done, Hawkeye and Mockingbird decide to, to elope. They went off and get married. And knowing what uh, Cross Technological was doing, Hawkeye quits. Right. So, so he's, he's had this job. Now. Yeah, he's had this job since like issue one back in like the 180s. Has it been that long? After Gyrick kicked him off the team. Oh, right. Right, for Falcon. Yeah. So three important things come out of this series. No more Hawkeye across. Hawkeye and Mockingbird married. Hawkeye partially deaf. Hawkeye's, and Hawkeye has a new costume, too. He does, but it's it's the changes are relatively minimal. It's better. I like it. The writers tend to forget that Hawkeye is mostly deaf. It will come up a little bit over the next year or two, and then pretty much get forgotten. Oh, I'm sure they invented some super hearing aid for him or something. Tony Stark shoved up in an arc reactor in his ear. One of the things I like about the cover to this issue is in the cover box of these issues, you've always got the heroes. And in this issue, because it's Assistant Editor's Month, did we mention that? <laughs> that it's Assistant Editor's Month? Yeah, no, did we mention it? Um, all of the uh, heads in the cover box, the regular team, are looking away from us. So we see is the back of their heads. And I thought that was actually a cute little touch. Also, I think the Beast is going to murder David Letterman. Which is the one that has uh, the not yet ready for primetime players? Is that Marvel team up? Yes. I have one note. When Vision is making the phone calls to the different team members to join them, uh-huh. the last call he makes is to Black Widow. And the phone call confused the heck out of me. Because the first scene, the first panel we see her in, she's laying on the rooftop on a on a lounge chair, like laying out to get a tan. Yes, and where? she has a black bikini on. I guess that's what that is. And then in the second panel, she answers the phone, and it looks like she's ripping her bikini top off or putting it back on, but it was already on, so it doesn't make any sense. And then in the last panel, when she's saying, "Sure, I'll join you guys," they show they make a point of showing her wig, her long haired wig, on the vanity while she's on the phone. But then when she shows up at NBC Studios, she has her normal short hair. This what? is all true. I don't oh, understand what they were doing in those in those panels. <laughs> I don't the the bikini top thing really freaked me out. Oh my god, that phone's ringing. I need to take my top off. That's what I do when I answer the phone. <laughs> ah, stupid clothes. <laughs> I am. Um, it is very clear to us, I think, in this issue, if it wasn't last issue, it's got to be incredibly clear this issue that there is something different about the vision. You think? This is not the vision that we knew before he went through analysis Nullfield. He is ridiculously chatty and chipper. Right, he laughs at Hawkeye's joke? Yes. Uh, this is not. This is a much more emotional vision than what we're used to seeing, and we're going to continue to see this. But I wanted to mention it because we're not going to see a lot of him in the next few issues. So I thought I'd, I'd point out here that it's it's pretty clear. He's weird. Yeah. So then something's different. I I kind of wasn't sure. I, I like we mentioned. I like the team that they that they assemble for this issue. There's, I have. There's not a lot of power there, but they're more interesting characters. Yeah, except for Wonder Man, there's not. But I think that's what makes it more interesting. However, I have serious doubt. I don't. I don't think the Black Panther would do this. I, I have doubts that the Black Widow would. She's a spy, but Black Panther really? Why would he do this? It seems like the calls were made in the wrong order. Like they would have called Beast first, and then maybe Black Widow, and then maybe Black Panther. Be like, hey, we need to help out. Yeah, it seems weird that he's sitting on his throne, like, having some meeting with a bunch of people. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll drop everything in my life and go hang out on TV. Yeah, he's not Namor. Like, he actually cares about his people. He Plus actually he's on the other side of the world. Like, sure, let me hop in a plane and... Well, no, he's in the Wakandan consulate. Oh. So supposedly he's in New York. Well, that's stupid and convenient. Yeah, well... Why didn't they call Swordsman? <laughs> he's dead. Why didn't they call Tree Swordsman? <laughs> Mantis. 
Yeah, there, there, there's got to be better people that they could have called. Hercules would have been entertaining. I don't like him, but you're right, he would have. It's it's nice to know when they get to this movie studio, um, the Avengers are all together and we see some uh, some interns and the women apparently all still want to have sex with the Beast. It's nice to know even though he's left the book, he still has that animal magnetism. Well, Star Fox isn't here, so. Well, that's true. So I guess Beast is next in the Avengers yeah. uh, sexiness order. Sure, yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, look at that Hawaiian shirt he's wearing. Oh, right. So the only, do you have any other notes? <laughs> no. The only other note I have about this issue is at the end of the issue, the Beast decides he needs to turn in his card because he is going to go work with the Defenders. And, of course, no one does that anymore. At this point in time, he just be made a reservist like all the rest of them. And, you know, no one turns anything in. Everyone it only lasts a page, and then Hawkeye gives it back to him because That's they true. get some emergency call to go somewhere. We never see where they go as the secondary Avengers. No, no, we never see that story. It's too bad. So, uh, dude, how about the bullpen bulletins? Bullpen bulletins. Jim Shooter's assistant gives us a written tour of the bullpen. It isn't very interesting. Yes, his assistant's name is Lynn Cohen. She says that they used to do tours. <laughs> that was it. That's all I got. <laughs> she said they used to do tours of the office, but they can't do tours of the office anymore because they're too busy. So she'll do a written one, and it's not that interesting. Yeah, it's really not. And then we learn that Jack of Hearts number one debuts on the checklist, the Jack of Hearts limited series. They also stopped. So before with the Jack of Hearts is going to become a member eventually. Oh, way eventually <laughs> when um when we used to have the mighty marvel checklist but it would just be the name of the title and then you'd have again two or three issues in what they called the hype box this issue the hype box is gone and i believe right. they say it's gone it's gone for good but i can't read it because i'm old hold on a second here please blow that up to 800 percent. oh jesus keep scrolling you'll get there eventually maybe by the time the podcast is over oh they say that they can't pick out just one or two books for the checklist because it's the assistant editors running things yes so there is no checklist. Well, that was worth it. Thanks for zooming in. I guess then we go to the letters page, which... Um, There's the le- none. There's no letters. Yeah, there are. I don't think those are real. So the letters- Or they're so old that they're irrelevant. <laughs> the letters page is a cartoon where Mike Carlin, the assistant editor, does a little cartoon of himself um, doing the letters page and holding up letters. It's and really dumb. Yeah. Uh, the question of the month is, what is your shoe size? Probably mm. because it's the... Uh, Ha ha, Assistant Editor's Month. It's hilarious. What's your shoe size, Jason? Uh, it's either a 10 and a half or an 11, depending on the shoe. I wear anywhere from a 9 and a half to an 11. Really? Yeah. That's very strange. Shoes are weird. I think men's shoe sizes are, are their scam. Well, that was exciting. Yeah. How about your MVP? My MVP over this issue... Uh... I have to give it to Hawkeye for at least protecting audience members from harm. And he's the only active member, so I gave it to him, too. <laughs> what about the useless character? I picked Black Panther. He does one thing. He jumps on the steamroller to try and deactivate it and gets zapped. Uh, I gave it to the Beast. I thought it was a really cheap shot to announce to the world on TV that he's leaving to to work on the Defenders. It's a little unclear. Before even telling the rest of his teammates. Yeah, that's true. Did you have a quote taken out of context? Stupid Beast. Uh, yes. I keep pounding it, and it keeps coming back for more. <laughs> Oh, I didn't have one, but I like that one. That was Wonder Man with the steamroller. Avengers level 10. Uh, no. So, what about your final grade for this issue? Well, I gave this one a D because it's stupid. So, I gave it a C. Here's here's my feeling, but it's a little too high. It should be a C-. So, this is 1984, and I don't know about you, but in 1984, I was watching Letterman in the 80s. Why, were you Big Brother? Not 1984, because I was only... Well, like six, like six years old, probably. My math's not good. I was like four. Your math is horrible. It's like like four or six years old. You're like today, four. What are you talking about? And um, but I did watch Letterman in the '80s, and he was he was amazing. He was great. He was really funny. People that have only watched Letterman in the last few years before he retired saw a different host than yeah. he was back when he was on CBS. I really liked him. This Letterman. Not funny. Like his lines? Gosh, what a surprise because he was written by Roger Stern. Yeah, his lines are not amusing. Paul Schaefer, 
not funny. Well, he's never really funny. Anymore. No. Uh, this this <laughs> issue falls sufficiently bald though. It's it's it really falls flat. They, we want they they've been hyping up this assistant editors month so much, and they want us to think that this is going to be this zany wacky adventure, and it's not. Do you remember any of the other assistant editor month other than the SNL Marvel team up? Is this the one with the what if with Aunt May being the Herald of Galactus? It might have been. I don't remember the what if, but that could be. I know that this is the in Captain America they do one where Bernie Rosenthal becomes a superhero. She um, become his sidekick. I think no, no. She becomes the main superhero. Oh. If I remember correctly, it's a Modok um, red, and she she puts Modok and Red Skull merges them into one character. Hold on a second. Well, this just sounds thrilling. I don't. Re- I feel like I had all of these issues, but I don't remember any of the other ones. The one in Amazing Spider-Man, also written by Roger Stern, um, was the 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 kid who collected Spider-Man. So it's actually a, this really serious oh, story yeah, yeah, about yeah. a which doesn't well, seem that with the kid in the hospital or something. Yes. No, that Alpha Flight one's pretty serious. Yeah, too. see, so that was the kid that collects Spider-Man. Yeah, um, that's the cat. Yeah. Oh my God, Red Skull Modok. Red Skull. I love the one. I, that's <laughs> one of the ones I always remember is, is the Captain America one again. That was Jam Day Matat. J M De Mateus. Who knew? Who, who knew he could write funny stuff? Yeah, who knew? What's, boy, it's a shame he never did that again. Well, they're not all funny, are they? No, I'm looking to see if any of them really are. Besides the Fantastic Four, is that the trial of Reed Richards? Was the one where they tried to where the Shi'ar were trying to kill Reed Richards for saving the life of Galactus? The Incredible Hulk has somebody trying to murder themselves. That has General Ross, Thunderbolt Ross, trying to commit suicide? Oh, that's right. Iron Man was when Tony Stark was really drunk. That's great. Um, this one though looks like an assistant editor's month. Apparently, they tried to make us believe that they had some character called the Jack of Hearts. Stop it. That must have been a joke. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, there's the Aunt May Harold. Yeah, Galactus. yeah. What if Aunt May and that that was a good one? Wow, these are really not what we have been led to believe they would be. No, I thought they were all going to be funny. It seems like a really bad. What's that thing one? It looks like he's getting beat up by a clown. Is that the clown? Oh, actually, look. So according to this, the thing reads his own comic, is not impressed, and pays a visit to the Marvel Comics office. <sighs> so that looks like a good one. It's probably not bad. Probably kind of like the She-Hulk comics more. So yeah, Assistant Editor's Month, not the romp that they led us to believe. And certainly this issue is not the romp they led us to believe. Nope. All right, so those were not those were two underwhelming issues that we just did. I feel bad. I feel bad. This In this era, we normally try to be, well, one of us tries to be more positive, And I can't be with these issues. I don't they're, try to do anything. They're just not that... They're just not that that remarkable. Well, that's okay. On our next episode, we follow the real Avengers to San Francisco, where they join with Tigra, Doctor Strange, Hank Pym, and the Shroud to battle Morgan Le Fay and save Spider Woman's soul. That sounds. I don't that know. sounds exciting. Exciting, I guess, is a word. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, our email is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page, and our web page is avenginghour.com. That's all. Bye-bye. Bye bye.